Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special podcast series on compliance lessons from Venice. I just got back from a trip to Venice, and I put together a short podcast series on the compliance lessons that can be learned from this most stunning city on the globe. But first, a word about the newest podcast series on the Compliance Podcast Network, which will be premiering in December, Great Women in Compliance. Looking for the top new podcast in compliance? Look no further than Great Women in Compliance, a podcast with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley, produced by One Creative. In this podcast series, Lisa and Mary will talk to some of the top female compliance practitioners literally across the globe about how they have achieved their position and what other women can do to move forward in compliance. It's going to be a great series. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Welcome to Compliance Lessons from Venice, Episode 1, Doing It the Old-Fashioned Way. One of the things that has long fascinated me about Venice is how so little of the 21st century has impacted it. Take construction, for example. All materials have to be brought to the city via boat, offloaded, and then lifted by hand or by a handmade machine to the upper stories of a building where the residents are located as no one lives on the ground floor anymore, as all of the ground floors are now flooded. If the building is not on the water, the ground floor is used as a commercial establishment. But unlike other large metropolitan areas, There is no room for cranes or other large mechanical lifting devices. I thought about this when I saw a workman lifting up materials through a block and tackle pulley system, which has been in use since antiquity. Not only were these guys doing it the old-fashioned way, they were getting the job done. As I watched this most basic level of construction, I thought about some of the things the Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission have said about what a compliance department should be doing. For instance, in the Pfizer Deferred Prosecution Agreement and the Enhanced Compliance Obligations, it said that Pfizer's Compliance Department should, in part, maintain significant resources for the compliance function. It should have an anti-corruption compliance program providing centralized assistance and guidance regarding the implementation, updating, and revising of the FCPA procedure, the establishment of systems to enhance compliance with FCPA procedure, and the administration of corporate-level training and annual anti-corruption compliance certifications. Further, in the 2012 guidance, under Hallmark 5, an effective compliance program, it said... In addition to the existence and scope of a company's training program, a company should develop appropriate measures, depending on the size and sophistication of the particular company, to provide guidance and advice on complying with the company's ethics and compliance program, including when such advice is urgently needed. Such measures will help ensure that a compliance program is understood and followed appropriately at all levels. I often write about the nuts and bolts of an effective compliance program, but one of the most basic things that an effective compliance program must have is a compliance department present to ask the basic questions of compliance to and receive an answer from. I think the DOJ and SEC, to them, this means a couple of things. First and foremost, there must be the requisite number of resources dedicated to the compliance function. 
This means that a compliance department must be staffed with an appropriate number of compliance professionals to do the day-to-day basic work of compliance. Headcount is always important in any corporation, but there must be some minimum number of people in the compliance department to literally answer the phone or to respond to emails. But equally important to this resource is what the Pfizer DPA calls providing centralized assistance and what the FCPA guidance says is to provide guidance and advice on complying with the company's ethics and compliance program. In other words, it is up to the corporation to have someone there to answer the phone, but once they are there in that seat in the compliance department, they actually have to pick up the phone and respond. It is the responsibility of a compliance practitioner to provide the guidance to company personnel who call or email in with questions. Following compliance policies and procedures is always important, but to have a live person to answer questions or walk to see a non-compliance person through the process is a must. In other words, if someone calls Not only does the compliance person have to be there, someone has to pick up the phone and they have to have the expertise to answer the question. How many times has a compliance department been called on a Friday afternoon to find that no one is there to answer the phone? But if someone is there, they have to actually pick it up and then they have to provide an answer. Mike Volkoff often inveils against the compliance function being the land of no populated by Dr. No. But the situation here is where the compliance department does not or will not provide the basic answers to persons working out in the field. This clearly means that corporations must have sufficient expertise around their compliance function. In one of the least talked about but I think most important documents over the past five years from the Department of Justice around FCPA and anti-corruption compliance generally, was the 2016 FCPA pilot program. In that pilot program, the Department of Justice articulated that a compliance function must not only have the headcount, but it must have the expertise of or for and with the compliance practitioners to actually be able to answer questions that come into the office. This is clearly something that must be done in addition to having the people there to answer the phone and then actually picking up the phone. Sometimes the most basic and the most obvious is overlooked. Using an old block and tackle pulley to haul building materials up by hand may seem quaint and old-fashioned, and perhaps it is. Yet, in the city of Venice, it still gets the job done. The same concepts are part of the best practices compliance program. Someone must be around who can operate the block and tackle pulley system. There must be someone there to answer the phone when it rings on Friday afternoon, and that person must actually pick up the phone, and that person must provide answers to the questions posed. So sometimes the old-fashioned way can be the most effective way. I hope you will join me in our next episode where we look at the Arsenale and Incentivizing Compliance in this podcast series on Compliance Lessons from Venice. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of my special five-part podcast series on compliance lessons from Venice. And I hope you'll join me again for another episode. I also hope you will subscribe to my podcast series, either through Libsyn, through my website, www.fcpacompliancereport.com, through J.D. Supra, or through my new site, the Panoply Network. I also hope you will check out the 
Great Women in Compliance podcast series, which premieres on the Compliance Podcast Network in December 2018. Compliance Lessons from Venice has been a a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.